friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. word and so I'd like to request everybody to please rise from their seats right now let's take a look at Isaiah 62 and verses 6 and 7 please and at the count of three let's read verses 6 and 7 please one two read on your walls O Jerusalem I have appointed watchmen all day and all night they will never keep silent you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Father, we give you thanks and praise for this lovely Sunday morning, O God. We thank you, O Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you for the good weather, O God. We thank you, Lord, that you have inspired us to come to your house and worship you and listen to your word. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. We pray that we might have humble and teachable hearts open to the leading and teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, O oh God, that you will accompany the teaching of your word with much conviction and with much power so that as we leave this place at the end of the service, we will have a great conviction, a great resolution, a great determination to obey and follow your word. I pray for myself, Lord, that you might supply me your wisdom, that you might even go beyond the manuscript that I prepared, that you might speak prophetically to your people, O God. Anoint my lips of clay, Lord, so that your people might know that they have heard from you that you have spoken to them, that you have ministered to them, and that you are speaking to them, O Lord. I pray for boldness and confidence and courage, O God, to be able to speak the truth and the truth alone. Let it be spoken with clarity and with passion. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back all the glory, all the praises, and all the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, this is the conclusion of the short series that we entitled Calling for Intercessors in 2018. And yesterday, I'm thankful to God as we had our congregational prayer and fasting. There were a lot of people who joined us in prayer, and I'm hoping that uh, that would set the tone as well as gain momentum as the months go by. I'm hoping and praying that more and more people will gather together to join us in prayer for our country and for our church. And so you know the motive and the intention I have in starting this series. It is somehow to enjoin you and inspire you to become part of the prayer team that we have once a month, including the prayer chain that we are now starting. I believe I cannot overstate 
the importance of prayer and intercession in the life of the church and in the life of our own country. I would like to state some very alarming statistics which I hope will somehow steer your emotions into being determined in coming up with something or in being determined to become part of the prayer team that we are starting to build in this church. A few years ago, if you recall, I mentioned to you that according to statistics, we were number one all over the world in cyber pornography. Now, I don't know if the statistics have changed. It's still probably true up until this point in time. But last couple of days, I came across news from GMA, GMA News, that we are the number one, we are the leading country in trying to access Pornhub. Now, Pornhub, according to GMA News, is a pornographic website. And what is really incredible and saddening, in fact, is that we are the leading, we are the number one country that is trying to access this pornographic website. So we are actually piling up the statistics. Number one in cyber pornography, number one in trying to access pornographic material. And in truth, when I was reading that, I became quite exasperated and I was thinking to myself, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with our country? Why is it that we are losing our moral fiber? We are losing our morality. We are losing our values. And we tend to think that these things that we are talking about belong to the West. But seemingly right now, we are taking the lead in these things. So there seems to be a shift right now. Immorality and perversion is now a thing that is very preeminent in the East, specifically in our own country in the Philippines. And friends, what is at stake here is our future as a country. You and I know that we have been under Spanish rule for more than 400 years or about 400 years. And for some years, we were under British rule. For some years, we were also under American rule. For some years, we were under Japanese rule. And so it was only in the 1940s that we gained independence as a country. And so we are actually a very young country. And we ask ourselves the question, what do we build our country on? Definitely, we have to build our country on very strong values that will make our people a people of integrity, a people who understand what values are, a people who value family, a people who value marriage, a people who value their children and value their own country. That is how we build a strong nation. And based on the statistics that we are receiving, that is no way to build a strong country because you weaken our moral fiber. Guess what that is going to bring on the table? 
that is going to bring in unrighteousness, that is going to bring in corruption, that is going to bring in perversion. And before you know it, we are actually going to destroy our own country and we will be destroying each other. This is the reason why I have this, this sense of urgency that we really need to do something about it. And you have been listening to me for a few Sundays already. I've been talking about prayer quite a bit. I started last December and I'm continuing on right now this December. And you have heard me share some Bible verses which talk to us about the omnipotence of God, that God is almighty and all-powerful, that our God is willing to answer our prayers. He's willing to hear our cries. You also heard me mention the fact that the rule in God's kingdom is to ask. And when we do not ask from God, we are not to expect any answers because after all, we did not cry out to God. And so we go back to our series, and i just like to do a little review of what we had discussed last weekend because we're going to take off from where we left off last weekend. We were talking about the fact that there was this lament of Israel. They were complaining to God. They were asking God, Lord, why aren't you doing anything about our own country? We mentioned the fact that at that time, 10 of the tribes had been transported or exiled into another country, specifically Assyria. And that was the northern kingdom. So majority of the people of Israel had been taken into exile. And what remained was simply the southern kingdom, which was composed of two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. They too were being oppressed by Assyria. In fact, they became a vassal state and they were paying tribute to Assyria. And there was a time that Assyria was threatening to actually take over the whole country. Thankfully, God was gracious and protected them from Assyria. But then again, Assyria was a continual threat. And aside from that, there was now a rising empire from the east, northeast, and that was Babylon. It was now a rising power and it eventually actually took over the Assyrian Empire. And so with all the prayers that the people of Israel were praying for national stability and national security, they were wondering why was it that it seemed like God was silent, that God was not answering their prayers. And we said that there were two reasons why God was silent. And the one reason is the first reason for unanswered prayer is our sin or the sin of the people of Israel creates a wall or barrier between us and God. The second reason we mentioned why God wasn't showing favor to Israel was because there was no intercessor. There was nobody who was standing in the gap. There was nobody who was righteous enough whom God could rely on so that He could turn the tide for Israel. God was looking to and fro, and there may have been millions of people in the southern kingdom, and yet not one, 
Not even one qualified to become a mediator. Not one qualified to become a righteous intercessor. And so I look at our country right now. We have threats within, and we also have threats without. And the question is, how do we survive in the next 20 or 50 years? How do we survive in the next 100 years? What is at stake here is the future of our own children. And for those of you who are grandparents like me, what is at stake here as well is our grandchildren. And the question is, what will they wake up to? What is the world that they will wake up into in the Philippines? What kind of a country will this be? And friends, that actually causes me to be very, very apprehensive. And I hope that all these things are taking place in our country is really catching your attention. And I hope that God is beginning to lay a burden in your heart for you to do something about it. It is about time, my dear brothers and sisters, that we go beyond the four corners of our own household. Because oftentimes, the attitude of the Filipino is, for as long as it does not affect me and my family, I'm fine. Never mind what else happens outside for as long as I'm fine and I'm secure. Friends, let me just tell you this. In a couple of years, your household will be affected as well. In a couple of years, the corruption and the darkness that surrounds our country will begin entering our own households. And your own children and your own grandchildren will be affected, and they will be corrupted as well. Friends, let me ask you this question. Do you want that to happen? Are you just going to sit down and do nothing about it? Or will you avail of one of the greatest resources that God has given to us, and it is effective prayer? I say effective prayer because prayer is not something that is merely mystical wherein we commune with God. There, there is that part which we could say is mystical when it comes to prayer because we do encounter God. We sense His presence. But it is more than that. It is powerful. It is effective. God is serious about answering our prayers. But the problem is we're not serious in our prayers oftentimes. And so today's lesson picks up from where we left off. We will focus on three lessons which are found in Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 specifically. And I will just add to the plate Isaiah 64, verse 4. So here are the three things that we will talk about. First of all, we're going to talk about the need for watchmen. Now I will explain to you what watchmen means. Number two. We're going to talk about the role of watchmen and using old English language, they are called remembrancers. And thirdly, we will talk about the need for the watchmen's persistent prayer. So let's begin with our first point, the need for watchmen. And this time we'll take a look once again at verses 6 and 7, which we read a while ago. And here's what it says. On your walls, O Jerusalem, 
I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give Him, that's referring to God, give Him no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, I need to be able to define what watchmen are because normally we don't use that word any longer. But that was a word that was used at that time, most especially because in the Middle East, there were a lot of wars that take place. And that is why these watchmen actually played a significant role in national security. Now, what was their role? In the ancient world, watchmen were stationed on city walls or they were stationed on towers, all right? They were watchtowers and their job description was basically to watch for any enemy that was approaching. And normally, some of the enemies would approach them at night when they were not expecting anything. And this is the reason why the watchman does not sleep. And when he sleeps, that is a terrible um, neglect of his own duty. I'd like to show to you right now how a watchtower looked like at that time. It's nothing really sophisticated. That's what you see here. Nothing sophisticated. Either this is situated on the wall or it is situated on a high place. All right? Nothing sophisticated with it. But you will have a person right on top of that in the middle of the watchtower, and his job was to watch whether there were approaching enemies. He would look to the south, he would look to the north, he would look to the west and to the east. And he would warn the people of Israel, maybe through a trumpet, that there was an approaching army that was about to invade them. And friends, this terminology is now being used in a spiritual sense. So this is not, this verse that we just read a while ago is not talking about watchmen, all right, who were watching approaching armies. This is actually referring to intercessors. And just like the watchmen, they were never to grant themselves sleep until the Lord has answered their prayers. They were to be alert on Jerusalem's behalf. And so in this passage, Isaiah was exhorting these watchmen or intercessors not to give themselves any rest and not to give God any rest until God establishes Jerusalem on earth, until God is able to make Jerusalem a city of praise on earth, blessed by God and extolled everywhere by all nations. This was what God was calling these spiritual watchmen to do. And I believe that God is likewise calling us believers in Christ, sons and daughters of God, to become watchmen during this time, to be alert in prayer on the church's behalf until the church reaches its full potential. 
Now you and I know that the answer to this country is Jesus Christ. There is no other answer for this country. If you're looking for a political superman, you will be frustrated. If you are looking for an economic superman who will deliver this nation from its poverty, let me just tell you, you will be frustrated. You will be disappointed. What we need is one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. God Himself is what we need. For after all, is there anyone more powerful than God? Is there anyone wiser than God? Is there anyone more intelligent than God? And if you and I agree that God is almighty and all-powerful and that He has no rival and that He is greater than all, therefore, He is our hope. Therefore, He is the one who will not disappoint us. But let me remind you, my dear brothers and sisters, whereas the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church, we happen to be the body of Christ. We are the hands of Christ. We are the knees of Christ. We are the feet of Christ. We are the shoulders of Christ here on earth. And the same manner that our Lord and Savior seeks to destroy the works of the enemy, we ourselves should likewise be proactive in destroying the works of the enemy. For after all, if you read 1 John, what it says there is that the Son of God appeared that He might destroy the works of the evil one. And you and I are in agreement that the works of the evil one are at work in our own country. Cyber pornography, number one in accessing Pornhub. Extrajudicial killings left and right. So many human rights violations taking place. Our, our political situation is in great threat. It is under great threat because of certain forces that tend to destroy our democracy. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, shouldn't we as a church be proactive and do something about our situation? Because, friends, if we know that the answer is Christ, if we know that the answer is the gospel, then we should be going out there and doing exactly what God wants us to do, that we might save this nation from destroying its own self. And that is why, friends, we call on everybody. We call on you, brothers and sisters, to become prayer warriors, to pray for this country, to pray for the church. Matthew Henry, and I'd like to quote this, he states, The public welfare or prosperity of God's Jerusalem is that which we should be most importunate for at the throne of grace, we should pray for the good of the church, that it may be safe, that he would establish it, that the interests of the church may be firm, may be settled for the present and secured to posterity, that it may be great, that it may be a praise in the earth, that it may be praised and God may be praised for it. When gospel truths are clear and vindicated, when gospel ordinances are duly administered in their purity and power, 
When the church becomes imminent for holiness and love, then Jerusalem is a praise in the earth. Then it is in reputation. We must persevere in our prayers for mercy to the church till the mercy come. This is what we need to do. Because friends, if God saved us merely to bring us to heaven, then we should all die and go straight to be in heaven. Obviously, God has allowed us to remain here on earth for a purpose, and that is to be salt and light to this earth, that we might influence this earth for good, that we might bring them to Christ that we might be able to share the gospel to them, that we might be able to share the values of the Scriptures. That is our role in society. We are not irrelevant at all. We are not insignificant at all. As much as the devil would like us to believe that we are irrelevant and insignificant, I would like to be able to say, that the greatest institution in this country is the church. That is the greatest institution in this country. So if this country is going to have any real hope for the future, if this country is going to rise from the ruins and become mighty and great, it is because the church has become mighty. I've actually been very disturbed by these statistics that I just mentioned to you. Because could it mean that we as a church are not doing our job? Could it be that the reason why we are losing our values is because we have not fighting for the things of God? Perhaps we have become very busy with our own life, our own aspirations, and our own ambitions. But let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, our priority is not our jobs. It's not our careers. It's not even our families. Our priority is the kingdom of God. Because that is exactly the message of Matthew chapter 6, that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. That is what we need to seek first. All other things are bonuses for us. All other aspirations and dreams are bonuses to us. But what we truly seek is the glory of God's kingdom. What we should seek is to become co-builders with the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Friends, let us wake up from our spiritual slumber because our sleeping will not help this country one bit. If we stay indifferent, if we remain apathetic to our own situation, this country will go to the dogs. And you and I, friends, will truly regret that in hindsight. Now, what is quite interesting in this passage that we just read from Isaiah is that God is the one who is appointing the watchmen or intercessors. Let me just read it to you again. It says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, 
I, that's referring to God, I have appointed watchmen. So very clearly, it is God who appoints watchmen or intercessors. So what should be our view of intercession? Well, first of all, we are all called to intercede. That's very clear in the book of Timothy, wherein we are all called by God to first of all pray for those in authority. And so without exception, we are all supposed to be prayer warriors and intercessors. Having said that, however, there are certain people whom God has especially called to concentrate on the matter of intercession and prayer. And I honestly and truly believe right now that this message is prophetic. That right now in this congregation, God is calling some of you to become watchmen. God is calling some of you to be prayer warriors for this country, to be prayer warriors for this church and for all other churches, regardless of denomination. And friends, my question to you is, will you heed that call? Will you listen to the voice of your God who is calling you and asking you to act as a watchman? And friends, what a mighty privilege it is to be a watchman and what great responsibility it entails. Going back to the watchtower that I showed you, what would happen to a country if a watchman slept? What would happen if there are invading armies? And the watchman happens to be snoring, sound asleep. What do you think would happen to that nation? Well, that nation would be destroyed by invading armies. Friends, let us recognize the fact that Satan knows no mercy. And the only intention that he has in our lives is to destroy us, destroy our families, destroy our marriages, and destroy our children. And how do you think he will do that? He will do that by corrupting the entire nation. And when you corrupt the entire nation, you corrupt the family. You corrupt the marriage. You corrupt the families. You corrupt the children. Moral, the moral fiber gets eradicated and you find a nation in chaos. I pray to God that we will not be another Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know that in the world, the world that we live in is getting crazy by the day. My wife was able to get hold of some uh, detail regarding some weird marriages that have taken place. One person got married to his horse. One lady who happens to be a millionaire got married to a dolphin. I mean, think about what this world is coming to. Crazy things are beginning to take place. People getting married to their cats, people getting married to their dogs. People getting married to dolphins. And friends, we're losing it. A lot of people are losing the right sense of mind. And friends, we are not far from that. In fact, 
in so many cases, we're leading at some point. So again, friends, listen to the, the voice of God. Listen to the call of God. This message is for you. Now let's ask ourselves the question, what was the role of watchmen? And this time we're going to talk about the spiritual watchmen. Now remember, I mentioned to you that they are called to be remembrancers. Now that's an old English word which we hardly hear nowadays. But let's take a look at verse 6 right now. And here's what it says. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. One very important principle in this passage is that Isaiah is calling these watchmen or intercessors of Israel to remind God of His promises. Isn't that interesting? It says here, you who remind the Lord. And the question is, why do we have to remind God? Does God have amnesia? Does He have Alzheimer's? Does He have a memory problem? Does He have a short memory? Why do we need to remind God of His promises? He is well aware of what He has promised to His people. And the answer to that question is this, because that is the rule of the kingdom. I keep on saying this. The rule of the kingdom is to ask. The book of James says, you receive not because you ask not. And this is the reason why we need to remind God of His promises because He delights in that. He, when we remind God of His promises, what we are really saying to Him is, Lord, we believe that You spoke the truth. When you made this promise, Lord, we know that you do not lie. And because, Lord, you do not lie, you will fulfill your promise. And that's what we need to do. We need to remind God of Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But before you remind Him, bet, bet, better, be, better make sure that you are doing your own part that you are giving because that's the context of that particular passage. But this is what we need to do. We need to remind God. Take a look at some passages wherein we find that the Lord was reminding some of them. But before we look into that, in other translations, this phrase, you who remind the Lord, is translated, yea, that are the Lord's remembrancers. Yea, that are the Lord's remembrancers. Now, what does that mean? You bring before God in remembrance whatever He has promised. And again, this is where I show you some passages. Take a look at Psalm 119 and verse 49. Look at what the psalmist was saying here. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Again, this, this is what they were doing in the Old Testament. Lord, remember what you said. You know, my, my grandson, he has one favorite word. It's remember. And he keeps on telling us, do you remember you left me in school? Do you remember 
that you promised to buy me a toy? Do you remember? And he just keeps on telling us, do you remember? And friends, just like a child, and remember the Bible says we are to be childlike in faith. We are to be just like my grandchild saying to God, Lord, do you remember? And of course, he remembers. But by way of reminding him, what we are saying is we trust you. We believe you. We know you're going to do this, oh God. It is affirming our faith in him. And that is the way by which God is able to build our character so that our lives are grounded in the Word of God. We base our lives on what God has said, not on what other people say, but we base our lives on what God says in His Word. So friends, together with this is the formation of our character. That is what God is after. Take a look at Jeremiah 14, verse 21. Notice what it says here, Do not despise us for your own name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember and do not annul your covenant with us. Remember and do not annul your covenant with us. Now, again, we see that thread, that line all throughout the Old Testament. But not only in the New Testament, we find it as well in the New Testament. And where do we see that? Well, let me just give you one example. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer begins like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, here's, here's something you need to note. The kingdom of God was something that was prophesied in the Old Testament hundreds of times. There are so many references to this kingdom that the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about. And so we know that because God unconditionally promised blessings that would take place in His kingdom, therefore we know whatever God has promised, He will fulfill. And yet, God is saying to us, in spite of the many promises in the Old Testament, in spite of the hundreds of prophecies relating to the kingdom, we are still to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? It is a way of reminding God once again. Now you might argue and say, well, I don't agree with that because God should know everything. He should know my needs. He should, he should know what He promised. Why do I need to remind Him? Friends, we need to be humble. We are not God. Amen? We're not God. God is God, and this is the rule in His kingdom. The rule in His kingdom is we need to pray. The rule in His kingdom is we need to ask. The rule in His kingdom is we need to remind Him of these things. And if that is what He wants, as humble servants of the living God, we are to follow what He wants because what He wants is right and good for us. Amen? Amen? 
How many here believe that God is good? Raise your hands, please. Amen. Amen. We believe that God is good. So everything that He requires of us must be good for us. Whether we understand it fully or not doesn't really matter. What is important is that we obey and we follow. And at the end of the day, it is going to be all right for us. But as we become convinced of the matter of prayer, we need to be persistent with it. Which brings me to the final point of this sermon, the need for watchmen's persistent prayer. Take a look again at Isaiah 62 and verse 7. It says here, and give him. Who's the him here? God. It says, give God no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So one other very important principle is that intercessors must never hold their peace at the throne of God's grace. They must pray and not faint. They must be like Moses. If you recall the battle of the Israelites with the Amalekites, and remember Moses was uh, praying for Joshua to have victory, and he was raising his hands in prayer. And every time his hands were raised, guess what was happening? Joshua was gaining momentum. Joshua was victorious. But there were times when Moses got tired. So he would put down his hands. And guess what happened whenever he put down his hands? The Amalekites would now gain momentum and they would now be victorious. And so finally, Aaron and her tried to help Moses by helping him lift his hands. So that as he continually lifted his hands, Israel gained a mighty victory at that time over the Amalekites. What do you think was the picture all about? What do you think is the lesson there? The lesson there is persevering in prayer. Here, what the watchmen were called to do was give God no rest until... He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. I recall another story in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Genesis. You recall the sibling rivalry between Jacob and Esau. And you probably read the story, and Esau was so angry with Jacob, he wanted to kill Jacob because in his mind he thought, that it was Jacob who stole his birthright, although it was really his fault, and that Jacob was the one who stole his blessings. And so he was really left with nothing or very little, and because of that, he was so vindictive, he said, I'm going to kill Jacob. Jacob runs away, lives with his uncle Laban, marries two of his daughters, Leah and Rachel. He has children with them. But then it was time for him to move back to the land of Canaan. And how does God steer the nest? Well, God steers the nest by causing or permitting Uncle Laban to oppress him and cheat on him. And as a result of that, he decides to leave together with his family, going back to the land of Canaan. But he had one major problem. It's been several years, but what about Esau? What about his hatred? 
What about his anger? How do I handle that? And so he was at crossroads, but he knew this was where God was leading him. He had no choice. So in the crossroads, at this particular juncture of his life, he had an encounter with God. And this is where you and I will see the value of what I call as wrestling prayer. So let's take a look at Genesis 32, beginning at verse 24 right now. It goes, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man... Now, who was this man? I will have to tell you, this was not an ordinary man. And you will be surprised who this is later on, as I explain. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, this other man said to Jacob, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, referring to Jacob, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You know what? This should be the same attitude we should have. Lord, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let go of my prayers. I will continue to remind you, Lord, until you hear my cry. That's what I call wrestling prayer. Now, it is at this particular juncture that I would like you to know that he was wrestling with not an ordinary man. He was wrestling with Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? Now, who is Jesus Christ? He is the manifestation. He is the fleshly manifestation of God. I will show to you later on that Jacob realized that he was wrestling with God because, in fact, this is what this man revealed to him. So let's go on just to make this clear. This is what is called theophany by Bible scholars. It is a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ, Christ in the Old Testament. So again, going back to verse 26, it says, Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now notice what this man says. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with whom? You Say it out loud, please. You have striven with? Say it out louder. Striven with? So this was not an ordinary man. This was God in the flesh. This was Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And it says, For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Now, wouldn't you and I like to see, to see that? Would God withhold His answers to our prayers when we pray for His glory? 
when you and I pray for a harvest of souls, will He withhold that from us? When we pray for, for God to deliver somebody in our family who is into drugs, and when we pray for this person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, will God deny us? When what we are after is the establishment of His church, will God deny us? When we want is the betterment of our country, the morality of this country, will God deny us? I don't think He will deny anything good to us. But the question is, will you be a prayer warrior? And the next follow-up question to that is, will you be persistent? Will you plod on? Will you labor on? We're not talking about prayers here that are done as an event. We're talking about intercession here as a matter of lifestyle. Give him no rest, the Bible says, until he establishes Jerusalem. I'd like to quote to you Matthew Henry once again, and this is so beautiful. It goes, God's professing people must be a praying people, must be public-spirited in prayer, must wrestle with God in prayer and continue to do so. Keep not silence, never grow remiss in the duty nor weary of it. God is so far from being displeased with our pressing importunity as men commonly are that He invites and encourages it. He bids us to cry after Him. He bids us make pressing applications at the throne of grace and give Him no rest. He suffers Himself not only to be reasoned with, but to be wrestled with. God wants a wrestling match with us. I do not mean literally, but figuratively. And we find this in other passages in the Old, I'm, I'm sorry, in the New Testament. Take a look at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 10. And it says here, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, there you go, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now watch the rule of the kingdom in verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it what? And what's the next? It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That's the rule of the kingdom. This is what we need to do. Verse 10 reads, For everyone who asks, receives and he who seeks finds and he and to him who knocks it will be open let's take a look at Luke chapter 18 here we go 
Luke 18, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that all, at all times, say all times, say to your neighbor, all times. It says here, they ought to pray all the time. When's the right time to pray? All the time. Bible says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing, all right? Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're constantly praying even when you're crossing the street and you're not looking at the cars. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that be conscious of the presence of God. And every opportunity that you have, every free moment you have, use that for prayer. Pray for your boss. Pray for your fellow employees, right? Pray for your children. Grab every opportunity to pray. And here's something very important. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not, what? To lose heart. Because that is what happens to us. We pray one day, and the following day, oh, I don't want to pray anymore. Don't lose heart. And it says here, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. He kept on saying, No, 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 no. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, I mentioned to you last time around, when you take a look at the parables, what should you do? Look at the similarities, but also look at the contrasts. Here, the similarity is God answers persistent pleas. What's the difference? He's not like this judge who was unwilling who was just tired of this woman. God is not going to answer your prayers because I'm tired of this guy. He keeps on praying to me. 7-11, he, he just keeps on repeating, reminding me of all these promises. I'm just going to answer it. God is not like that. Amen? Our God is a generous God. Amen? Our God is a loving God. That's who He is. So what, what Jesus was really saying here is although an unrighteous judge will do this, let me tell you, God is going to do that even more because He's good, because He's generous, because He's loving. Look at the promises of God for faithful watchmen in Isaiah 64. And this is so wonderful. This is so assuring. It goes, for from the days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, watch this, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Could you say this with me, please? Who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Say it louder, please. Who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. So friends, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to persevere? Because the promise of God is if you wait, if you persevere, 
He will act on your behalf. Now, friends, let me just balance this by saying you better ask God something that is part of His will. Don't ask God something out of greed, all right? Don't ask something out of God, out of lust. Never ask Him something that is outside His will. Never pray, Lord, give me an airplane. <laughs> All right? Where will you park that? So I'm just saying you need to be reasonable. Pray according to the will of God. Now, the answer of God to our prayers will be very great and will far outdo the utmost of our expectations. Look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. What is this verse saying? If I ask God this much, he gives me that much. If I ask God this little, He gives me this big. He always goes beyond what I ask or even think of. That is who our God is. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand, please. I will end with this verse, Psalm 31, verse 19. And let this be the meditation of your heart. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up. God is storing up goodness. Think about that, brothers and sisters. He is storing up goodness. For whom? For those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of man. Amen? How great is God's goodness. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let me just say this. If the church heeds the call to become watchmen, we will see the church established, a strong, mighty church, a mighty influence, a strong light, a guiding light to this world, and we will see better times for this country and for our children and our grandchildren. I love this country. Do you love this country? Do you love this country? Then be watchmen. Amen? Be watchmen for the glory of God. Let's give the Lord a big hand, please. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for your word this morning. And we know, Father, that your word will not return to you null and void. I know, Lord, that you are appointing watchmen right now in this congregation. And there are some I know who are asking, is it me, Lord? Is it me? And the answer to that is yes, it is you. So, Lord, we pray 
that you will fasten your grip in the hearts of these men and women whom you are calling, that they might be faithful to the call that you have given to them. And may they, may they not stop, but may, may they persevere and continue and plod on until your spiritual Jerusalem in the Philippines is established. We pray, O oh God, for grace upon each one of us to consider the matter of prayer seriously and that we are not to take lightly the alarming devaluation of our values. This country is losing all its moral fiber. We are outdoing all other nations when it comes to wickedness and evil. And Lord, please have mercy upon the Philippines. Have mercy upon our country. Have mercy upon Cebu. Even during this coming Sinulog, O God, we pray, Father, that people might see you for who you really are and that they might hear the gospel, that everyone who attends and comes for the fiesta, let each and every one of them hear the gospel. And we trust, Lord, that this prayer is heard even as we seek only your glory and your praise, even as we seek that you build your kingdom and you build your church. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. And thank you also that we could worship you with our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings. Lord, please use this for the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.